welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. So what does it take to create a successful relationship? Well, that is the question that I am out to answer in teaching you my new class, The Relationship Screening Method. Go over to thedatingcounselor.com, click under Courses, and learn more about this new course that I'm offering on a virtual platform that also comes with weekly live coaching sessions with yours truly. So that's again, go to thedatingcounselor.com, look under courses and look up the relationship screening method so that you can actually apply the method to then begin creating your successful relationship. (laughs) Hello, welcome to the Building a Successful Relationship podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Kennington Harmon, and I am a licensed clinical social worker I am so excited today that I have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, and thanks for having me. My name is Emily Steele. Um, I am also a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I work in Orem and living in Lehigh right now. I just got married in April, found love in the time of Corona. It was a wild ride. Um, But yeah, I'm happy to be here. I feel like that should be like a new 80s or well, I guess a 2020 love ballad, love in the time of Corona. <laughs> yep, it, it will happen. I mean, there's a, a lot of people doing it. Just go and elope during Corona. It's a good time. Yeah, I think that's a message we should start this podcast on as a message of hope. You can still date, fall in love and be married in the time of Corona. <laughs> it's not necessarily that all hope is lost. I saw this meme the other day that said... I think I'm ready to date again. And then it said the world releases a pandemic and then me well played (laughs) because it just was like, it just, it crushes people. And with this being a podcast specifically tailored to people who are dating, I think it's, this is a message of hope, (laughs) right? Sure. Uh Well, today we wanted to talk a little bit more about relationship OCD, more specifically about the ins and outs of having it and what it can do and look like in the dating scene and hopefully answer some questions. I've received some emails and some questions about this. And so we thought we'd just take a deeper dive because what's more exciting than relationship OCD? Woohoo! <laughs> so first of all, relation, let me just read you the, the definition. Just again, if you want a, a lot more information, make sure you listen to the previous podcast I did on this. So relationship OCD, or or it's called ROCD, is a form of obsessive compulsive disorder in which the sufferer experiences intrusive, unwanted, and distressing thoughts about the strength, quality, and true nature of their love for their partner. And it can go into four different categories, and it can look like um, overt compulsions, avoiding compulsions, reassurance-seeking compulsions, and mental compulsions. There's a lot of information online, but at the same time, it's kind of new, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this was news to me um, as of 
probably just in the past year, year and a half that I actually, the first person to mention it to me was one of my friends who's also a kind of, I mean, he was a friend and then became a colleague, but um, a marriage and family therapist who also happens to be my friend and mentioned it to me and asked if I had ever heard of it. And um, obviously we've all heard of OCD, but I think it makes sense that it can attach onto specific um, areas in your life, like relationships. Yeah. And I think when it does attach itself there, it's not necessarily something that you key on key in on or like notice because some of the ways that it manifests are pretty common. Like let's say for example, the reassurance seeking, like when you want other people to say, what do you think about this person? Are we good together? Are we compatible? Did you like them? Did you enjoy spending time with them? Like if you take them to meet your family or friends, that is feedback that you want on a pretty normal, normal, um, relationship. But what happens is that it becomes pretty excessive where you just, you have to have people's approval and sometimes you stop trusting their approval. That one is the tricky one. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if you would mind just telling us the story of how you know you have it. How you know you have relationship OCD? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, for me, just a little bit of, um, I guess, a preface or a background is I definitely am someone who tends to run very anxious. um, And that's something that I recognize. And it took me even a long time to name that. I grew up in a family where um, my emotions were something that were typically, I guess, the family culture was to um, avoid emotions, not really talk about them. Um, And I just remember getting a lot of stomach aches when I was younger. Um, Now that I look back and can actually put two and two together, um, I was a very anxious kid. And I even remember one time going, I begged my parents to go to um, start tap dance lessons because I thought I was I would be a star because I could tap out the rhythm to row, row, row your boat on the wood floor. And so they, they let me, and then I would come home crying and kind of panicking every night because I just, I was so out of my comfort zone. I didn't know that there was actually moves and skills you had to learn. Um, so I just, I was an anxious kid. So finally I was able to recognize that that was anxiety. Um, And then one day it kind of hit me when I was meeting with a teenage client and he was showing a lot of OCD symptoms. And I said, you know, this is, this is kind of what I'm seeing. And what do you think about that? And he was very defensive um, because he didn't want to have OCD. He said, no, I just, it's anxiety. And let's pause there for a second. Yeah. Uh Because anxiety is something that has become much more accepted right? Mm-hmm. There's not as much yeah. stigma towards the the mental health side of anxiety because it's a lot more common and it's just kind of become something people have grown comfortable with. But if you say OCD, then you're like, whoa, no, that means I have significant mental health issues and I don't feel comfortable with that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people will throw out the term OCD as, you know, you'll, you'll hear people use it very flippantly. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, this is triggering my OCD, or I'm a little bit OCD about um, how clean things are or whatnot, when yeah. 
it may or may not actually be um, clinically, um, you know, significant symptoms that actually meet the criteria for OCD. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. And so anyway, with this one teenage boy, um, he really... Oh, we got to pause for a second. We've lost sound. So we're going to come right back and I will get her back on. Good. Okay, we're back. We're going to give that our second try here. So go ahead and tell us your meeting with that client. Uh-huh. So I was meeting with this client and I could just see the distress it was bringing him. Um, and I, I wanted to be able to help. So I was pointing out these symptoms and calling it what it was. And he was very adamant that this wasn't the case, that it was, you know, just it's anxiety. And one thing that actually really helped is we talked about how you know, I kind of let him have that one. I said, you know, you're right. It is. It's anxiety. And OCD is a type of anxiety. Um, it's just a very specific type. Um, and Whoa, so, mind blown. And, and that, I think even in that moment, hearing myself say that to him was even um, really enlightening to me. Just looking back at my own anxieties about anything under the sun that you could imagine just because the way anxiety works is it's going to latch on to one thing or another depending on where you're at in your life and what's big and what you're facing um but i i think that i definitely recognize looking back okay i had a lot of anxiety in dating um and for me that's kind of what i named it for a while i thought you know i I just thought, you know, if I could spend even half the time that I think about dating and how stressed I am about it and about relationships and about finding the right one, um, if I could dedicate even half that time to other things that I'm passionate about in life, <laughs> wow, I would go real far. Like I could You're be like... doing really great things, right? But I was so preoccupied all the time. It was just always on my mind. It was always something I was stressed about and I didn't know like, and I try not to, you know, use this phrase a lot, but what is wrong with me, you know, and I know there's really nothing actually wrong, but it, at that time, that's what it felt like. And so just in the past year and a half, when I was able to actually name that anxiety as a very specific relationship OCD, um, even listening to your podcast on this recently, um, there were a lot of things that were even then new to me that I mm -hmm. said, wow okay, that's, that resonated with me. And mm -hmm. I'll go into a little bit of that, I guess, specifically, just in case people are wondering, you know, what does this look like? How does it manifest? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So a lot of, I think my thoughts, it, I, I think that, you know, as you look at the, the different, um, ways that it might manifest and different, um, obsessions and compulsions, um, I, I found myself always worried that I needed to find the right one and I just didn't want to be caught in the wrong relationship. Um, you could probably say that I was non-committal, but in my mind, I was ready to commit and was good at commitment because I could commit to other things in my life. I just didn't want to commit to the wrong thing. And this for me, um, one way I can give an example is, um, if you're familiar with the movie La La Land. Oh, yeah. That, so I hated that movie when I saw it. 
because I remember I went to see it with a friend and at the end I just sat and I don't know I don't want to give a spoiler oh go ahead it hasn't seen Mm it I mean it's old so you should have if you haven't but um I felt so depressed at the ending of that movie and I was so mad they chose to end it that way because it really what I recognized is it was my worst fear oh she walks into the cafe and sees him there and they see each other. My worst fear was running into, you know, some ex or someone that would have been the right one. And I just made the wrong choice, you know, that I made, that I would have to be stuck in something that I wasn't actually. See, at least it, in your worst nightmare, though, it was like a beautiful cafe. Mine is always like a Walmart. <laughs> I'm going to run into them at Walmart and I'm going to be like schlepping around in my yoga pants. <laughs> and then I'm going to see them. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, we're back. And tell us more about Cafe La La Land. Well, I guess like I was saying, um, no matter what setting, it was just, that's that was my biggest fear is ending up in the wrong relationship or regretting the choice I made and that was what triggered an intense amount of anxiety every time I got into a relationship actually it was more like I would sit and be in this limbo stage with someone rather than commit to kind of analyze would would this be the right one before even actually really committing to a serious relationship that's how messed up it was um so wait what you're saying is that you would walk into a room potentially, see a stranger, and be like, "Would I marry them?" Um, I mean, not necessarily to that extreme. And I know we do that a lot in Utah dating culture. Is like, you know, go on even a first date, and it's like, "Could I marry this person?" No, okay, I'm done. More so, it would be someone that I'd get into, kind of like a, um, a relationship where we got to a point that we were being physically intimate and we were acting as if we were in a relationship but I was kind of you know one hand out saying don't come any further but then also had one hand saying come come ah you know, by some signs that I wanted to keep them around because I wanted to assess whether this would work but they were ready to commit and I was saying no I still want to date other people um so that Katy Perry song hot and cold yeah that was and you I, and I think that's something too in the, I know you referenced the ROCD or the OCDLA.com yeah. website. I'm just looking there um, on overt compulsions. Mm-hmm. One that showed up a lot for me was um, frequently breaking up with your partner. So it was something that I'd even say, I even told someone that I was dating, you know, and, and again, this is probably just, this is revealing a lot about me and I'm glad that I've made changes in my life, but this was um, college Emily, very immature. So <laughs> take it for what it is. Um, and if you're seeing any of this in yourself, then just know it's okay. Everyone, you know, has moments in dating that are learning experiences and you can, you can go a different route if it's not working for you. Um, but something that I found was I, I told someone, you know, I, I think we need to take a break and I need to have a fast from you so I can tell oh. what, it's, what it's like with you. Without Wait a minute. Wait a minute. my own feelings. You use you the know? language fast as in like the law of the fast from church? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. my God. Oh 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 my God.
awesome. No, because I believe that you probably had picked that up from like other friends, right? I don't know. Um, like, I don't, yeah, I genuinely yeah. think that some of these things that we do, like a fast from someone is yeah. well, I didn't even unique. Hear from friends, like two weeks on, two weeks off, you know, you, you're present and available and for two weeks and then you, you just disappear for two weeks to see like, are they going to, do you miss them? Like assessing, do I miss this person? You know? No, but I think it, is- I, I get that it makes sense. I think it's just <laughs> super interesting that it's called fasting. And I'm also very curious who came up with the two weeks on, two weeks off, and why that was, like, scientifically the best way to go. I don't know. I mean, I heard it from one of my roommates, but that obviously isn't... I mean, what's that going to do? Because for me, when I would be um, trying to pursue a relationship, and let's say, you know, they were gone, or they went on a trip, or we had some time apart, and I didn't miss them, that was a sign to me. So I think that you're right. Like, I want to say... There is a point, see, this is why this one's so tricky, right? Because you do want to miss them and you do want to have that longing for them. But we measure it against, I think, sometimes the movies or the stories that we've been told about how someone longed for them while they were gone and just ached for them and couldn't function or breathe or eat. And so if we don't have that depth and level of love over a three-day weekend when you haven't seen them, your mind suddenly Mm -hmm. goes, oh, that's not it. Mhm. Yep, and that that can go both ways, you know. Like, oh, I miss them so much. So this must be the one, right? Mm-hmm. Or just really, um, you know, again, just with our OCD, it's very much checking in on. Let me test my feelings in whatever way that looks like. And a lot of times for me, it was. I mean, I even had someone tell me, you know, why. I don't get it. Why can't we just date? And I said, well, I still want to go on dates with other people. What's wrong with that? I shouldn't have to be making a decision right now. Right. But mm-hmm. after three or four months or a year and a half, yes, that's really embarrassing to say, but I kind of, I kind of would keep people on the line without really actually committing and finding out because I was, I, I had it very black and white in my mind. Even when I was dating my now husband, I had this, like epiphany one moment where I had a lot of anxiety because I thought no if I'm actually putting myself all in and really trying to figure this out then that kind of means I'm committing like I then there's no going back like it's either I'm really trying and going all in and I'm going to marry him and that gives me a lot of anxiety or I'm just done right now which was my totally my way of doing things like I just would once the anxiety hit I was out well, but then I, I had I'm, this realization that all like it doesn't those aren't those are black and white things. I can try and really be committed, and it cannot work out, and that's okay. And that was a huge. I love thing. that, and I really appreciate your vulnerability here. I am so. I hope that you don't think I'm like laughing at you. It was just the way that it was <laughs> no. what it was called. It wasn't that you did that. <laughs> I get it, but I feel like. This is so essential and, and important for people to understand how tricky this can be and how it can really look a lot like normal dating because so many people around you do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think going back to in your podcast before you mentioned um, reassurance seeking, you know, that was another one I would do a lot. And I think, you know, to some extent, it really is normal. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's like, 
okay, then how often too do I, and this one is maybe still one that kind of pops up for me is like looking around at other relationships or ones from the movies. I mean, why, why do we still do that? Oh my gosh. I'm totally dying to know who your movie couple is. Like, who's the one that you're like, oh, if we could just be like them. Well, and it's not even necessarily like one single couple, (laughs) but it's just any movie movie I watch that's a romance. It is, and I talked with a friend about this. It's, it's, um, purposely constructed with music and the lines and the perfection in the way that they fall for each other have a little spat and then they come back together and you never really see like how they work that out you just see that it it just somehow works and you know how many times I've seen movies and I'm like if that was real life they would never repair uh they would never go back together he would not call her she would not call him they would not run into each other. Like, it's, that's just not real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that also another thing I usually would do in previous relationships was I would sit there and assess and kind of take note in my mind of all the reasons focusing on flaws, right? That was a big, that's a big sign of ROCD is um, focusing on all the reasons that this will not work. Um, what was that like for your partners? I mean, did you ever communicate the flaws to them? Like, by the way, that gap in your teeth or the way no, that, that you... <laughs> that, That's what I was going to finish it up with is I would mentally take note of that and and hyper-focus on it, but I would never bring things up. And oh. so eventually they would all pile up together and I would then say, this just isn't working, you know, I'm not, I'm not, it just doesn't feel right, you know, which that's, that was baloney for me. I mean, sometimes that is the truth, sure. Like, you can use your intuition and your gut to know, is this, is this right? Does this feel right? Sometimes it's off. But for me, there were so many times that things could have been worked through or I'd get a little bit annoyed with someone and think, oh, well, if I'm kind of annoyed with them and I'm not always like falling madly in love with them and want to be around them every second, then this must not be it. I saw this movie one time and the girl, it was a more realistic type of movie. And she said to him, I did not fall in love with you more today <laughs> because I think she had heard that that was what was supposed to happen. You fall mm-hmm. in love with each other more and more every day. And I think there's truth to that, but there's some days you're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> We're good. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's okay. There's some days that, you know, it, it just isn't, it, it ebbs and flows. Um, and it just doesn't sound that romantic. I, as I said that a lot, I thought, Oh, I hope my husband doesn't hear this. Because I don't want him to feel that way. And he doesn't. And he wouldn't even care. Because I'm sure he'd feel the same way too. Like, today, you drove me crazy. But I still love you. Good night, honey. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I I was thinking of, like, the movie couples. And I feel like I'm Sandra Bullock. And he's Bill, Bill Pullman from While You Were Sleeping. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's that line where he says, I feel like she just gets under your skin as soon as you meet her. You don't know whether to like hug her or just really arm wrestle her. <laughs> I feel like that's us. <laughs> just kidding. I love that. So okay. what when you wouldn't tell them that? Okay, let's take a break for a second, and then we're gonna come back and talk about your partners. Is okay. that cool? Okay. Okay, we are back. We are gonna talk a little bit about what it's like for your partner when you are when you have OCD. ROCD. So 
For me, I mean, this is something that I could probably speak more to in my marriage right now. Um, but I do want to cover, I guess, some of what I could see from um, different relationships that I've had in the past where I was in and then I was out or I was taking, you know, fasts from people or whatever it was trying to figure out my feelings. There was even one time I wrote in my journal when I had, I think, for the fourth time broken up with somebody. <laughs> and this has been a back and forth thing. Um and wrote just on the whole page in all caps, like, what is wrong with me? Oh, I, I, I just want to hug out. you. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what, like, why was it that I just couldn't figure out my feelings? You know, it was so odd where I could say logically that I actually really loved this person. But then my feelings were so anxious that I couldn't, I didn't know what that felt like. It was just anxiety. But in my head, I said, I would be happy with this person. I I could marry this person, but the idea of even trying to get there was so much anxiety that I couldn't really deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I never did. Like, I just, I wouldn't even get to the place where I had to commit and deal with it. And um, there was one time actually in one relationship that my, my dad actually sat me down and said, and you can't just put guys on the shelf and then take them down when you meet them again. Like this is, oh. he was seeing what it was doing to someone I was dating. And, um, and it was also, that was hard as well. Um, because I fully recognize, especially looking back that that's so true. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not, um, if I could go back, I would do things differently. That being said, it was, was really hard where I was at and didn't have the name for what I was going through to be able to say, okay, this is what it is and I need to make some changes. It was more, I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. And I'm feeling pressure from all around me. So that was hard. But I also did see a lot of pain from various people that I would date that would hold on and hold on and hold on for so long. And then eventually it was like, I'm, I'm done. And that was what would actually end it was when they put their foot down. Because it, Is there anything they could have done to get to that point where it was like a, we're going to work out or we're going to go. So it um, wasn't just this prolonged agony. Yeah. I think like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that ultimatums are helpful because I think that that can be a lot of like, Oh, that's pressure. And then for people that deal with ROCD, it's, it's not necessarily helpful to propel mm-hmm. you toward a decision. It just cripples you even more. Mm-hmm. That being said, in the recent past, um, like before dating my husband, there were a couple relationships that, um, again, I was just kind of in this state of, okay, we're like going on dates and I'm almost exclusively dating you, but I wasn't ready to really dig in and commit. Mm-hmm. And finally, I remember one one guy just saying, I, I can't really be in this spot anymore. I really mm-hmm. like you and I want to date you, but I'm, I've got to explore other things. And that to me was really, I, I really admired that and I respected that. And that was hard, mm-hmm. but it was helpful for me when someone actually, um, I think set a boundary with me. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it's not necessarily yeah. pressure, like ultimatum you have to know, but it's kind of like, here's as far as I think I'm going to be able to go. And then I'm going yeah. to follow that line. And when it comes to dating in general, I think what you're trying to do is just gather information. Like you're doing homework in a sense. Uh I know this doesn't sound very romantic, but you're gathering information to find out if you guys are a good fit for each other. 
You're not going to be a good fit for everyone. There, not everyone is going to be a good fit for you. That's okay. But after a certain period of time, you kind of have to say, you know me. This is me. This is what it's like when I have highs and lows. This is like what's like when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I'm stressed out, when I'm happy. Those are, these are my hopes and dreams. Do we fit? Yeah. And, and that's something that I know, again, referencing your last podcast, you talked a lot about um, not really being able to be soothed with these mm-hmm. worries or anything that kind of comes up. It's like you bring it to the table, but then it's like, no, I'm just still here. And whatever you just tried to do and say is it's not really helping. Right. And that mm-hmm. is something that I have um, seen still to be um, something that shows up for me a little bit. Um particularly in times of um, a lot of stress. And this isn't necessarily anything I'm bringing up with, you know, relationship issues in our marriage. It's mm-hmm. mostly things that, you know, I, I will feel my anxiety in a very intense way and I'll bring it up. Um, and then it's almost as if, not that I'm making a decision to make it this way, but it's almost as if nothing is good enough to help soothe me. And that is, I know that's hard for my husband. Um mm-hmm. And so that's something that I think he's been really good at to just know that he's been able to tell me, you know what, if you need to talk, you got it. If you need me to just lay there with you while you cry, like you got it. Um, it, you know, but I have to be able to communicate those needs and that's something he can't just know. Very Um, good. So I want to point that out too, as the person who suffers from ROCD, You need to develop a language with your partner about what it's like and what's going on in your head whilst also being sensitive to the fact that your words can hurt. It's not Mm -hmm. that you have to filter them. It's that you need to um, understand that your presentation matters. And then the person on the other side has to kind of develop this open space to say like, okay, I might not be the thing that soothes you right now. And that might hurt my feelings because I want to be the one in everything, but what would can I deliver to you the thing that would soothe you (laughs) you know can I be Mm -hmm. um in a space where you can tell me about it after it happens I don't know just something where you can create that and last lastly too I want to say that sometimes the thing that soothes is time yeah sometimes you genuinely just need some time to absorb some information or to transition through those difficult emotions have some sleep have some good food some good distraction and then you relax and they can provide that Mm -hmm. and I think that that really is so important and that's something that my husband um has also had to navigate is knowing okay I'm not I don't have to be always the one that is you know exactly the um elixir that you need in order to you know feel better and I've had to to recognize that I'm in charge of my emotions he's not like I can't expect to go to him and have him just fix everything and I even verbally say you don't have to fix this but I think sometimes I maybe even unknowingly expect that and he's been very good and supportive of saying you know you have other relationships in your life and if you needed to call a friend last night after talking to me I'm not gonna think oh, I wasn't good enough, you know, or mm-hmm. if you need to call your mom or if you need to talk to a, a coworker about some work stuff, they're going to understand that more mm-hmm. than maybe I could, you know? And so recognizing that and also recognizing I've had to really decipher the difference between um, 
helping him know when I need to just be in my feelings and feel validated. But also I really need to recognize, okay, but I also have to be able to be soothed. I can't just say, no, no, I just want to be sad. And that's going to last for four days because you need to validate me. And this is the way that it is. Right. I mean, sure. It, uh, that's, that's okay to have emotions, but I think where I see my ROCD show up is that it's just, it's something that can't be calmed sometimes. Yeah. And I have to yeah. Yeah, and I think when it's interesting kind of, I think just to comment on being a newlywed, you kind of go through this single period of your life and just realize how much you haven't had someone there to validate you all the time. And then you get married and you're like, this person actually cares all the time. This is great. Mm -hmm. And so you go through that transition where you're like, here's all the things and all the stuff and fix it all and you're the best. And they're like giving you advice and things and you're like, no, no, I'm going to shoot that down and I'm going to shoot that down and... (laughs) I don't feel good about that. And they're going like, what? And you're like, but you should validate me because it's so fun when you do that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's exactly kind of what I think this cycle is, is that anything that, um, anything that is um, intentionally meant to be helpful, you know, that comes from him, there's sometimes I think I just, um, I want to feel my feels and I shut it down <laughs> because I'm like, no, you're not validating me. But really he, he does. And he's very good at that. I think I just, that was enlightening to me to listen to your last podcast and say, uh, I need to be able to be soothed. If I make it impossible for him, then of course he's going to feel exhausted. Yeah. No, and it's that. hard. It's hard when you see your loved one hurting, even if it's just, not the best day it's just it's hard because you do want to try to make it better and so anything that you can do I think when they offer to help make it better to be soothable it just makes the the relationship harmony that much more intact mm-hmm. yeah okay let's pause here for a minute and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what tips you have for other people <laughs> welcome back we're going to talk about what tips Emily has for other people and specifically, let's talk about in the dating phase. In the dating phase. Mm-hmm. Other uh, people who have ROCD. Should uh-huh. be more uh-huh. um, so one example I'm going to use that I, I think I found very helpful and that might be helpful to others is when I started to date my husband, and this was kind of a, a turning point for me because I did... Um, I'm a therapist and I would highly uh, recommend and encourage any therapist to have a therapist. So <laughs> I, I went to therapy because there was just a lot of things that kept pointing and saying, uh, what is going on? Like, what are you doing? Um, your relationships aren't, none of this is really working out. You need to make some changes. And I didn't, I didn't like feeling the way I felt all the time in relationships. And so started doing a lot of work on that and lots of my therapy took place um, while I was dating my husband now and there it was interesting actually because I had, I had been dating I had gone on some dates with him and gone on some dates with someone else kind of you know off and on at the same time and I find, found myself in a situation I had found myself in before many times where I just thought Uh, I'm just going to keep going on these casual dates because I don't want to commit and choose (laughs) like who I want to date, you know, and 
which one is the right choice? I don't know. Which one would I be happier with? What if I choose the wrong one? What if I regret choosing one? Should I just end that one and then go back to this other one? Like it was just this mess of thoughts and anxiety in my mind. Um, and I remember when I started to date my husband, um, I remember telling a friend, you know, it's good. It is good, but I miss this other guy. <laughs> and she said, Emily, like, cause she knew me. She was like, you would be saying the exact same thing if you had made the opposite choice. Like, you made a choice, own your choice. You have to give it a real shot. I think I just got so stuck in this mindset of, but, but what about this person? What if I could be dating this person and the fear of missing out on something that would just pass me by and then I wouldn't actually give the real shot that the person would give. And so I remember for the first probably month or so, there were several times that my normal ROCD tendencies would kick in and I'd think, uh, I think I need to break up with them because I, I don't know, this, it's, it was good, but I didn't feel like this wow connection right at the beginning. It was like I was intrigued, but I just thought, you know, I'm, I, I got in the habit of like comparing to other relationships and that's not healthy. But I kept, I kept thinking, you know, this is the point where, you know, I, I usually end this and I think I'm ready to end it. And I kept having this thought that, um, that helped a lot that said, do you, like, do you have any legitimate reason to end this right now? Is there anything, you know, that is, um, there, are there any red flags? No. Do you have a good time with him? Yes. Do, are you attracted to him? Yes. Um, just all those questions that I would ask myself to help calm me down and say, you're not committing to marriage right now. You're just figuring this out. And then that continued to happen. Anytime I'd get a little freaked out, I would just say, you really don't have any legitimate reason to end this. Is there a legitimate reason? No. And, you know, then there's just a point in time where, um, I started to realize that it, it was a relationship that was more healthy than any other relationship I had had. And part of that is because I'm just going to say it might sound corny and cliche, but my husband is the best. And <laughs> I love it. And he was, you know, I did put in a lot of work and I think that was a difference that I actually gave it a real shot, but he also, he put in a lot of work as well and was so responsive. To tell me, I was going to say, tell me what, what is the work? What is the work? work means, so for me, it was a lot of therapy. For me, it was pushing against the anxiety and challenging it. For me, it was um, pushing through the hard months where I, for me, like if I wasn't feeling good in my life, if I felt like anxious or depressed, I would look around at everything else in my life and say, well, I don't really have a reason for this. I must not be, this must not be the right relationship because I'm, it's not making me extremely happy. Like, cause I was just having like a, a bummer month or something. And it wasn't because of the relationship, but my mind attributed it to that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when we get for people, especially to get in these like spells of depression or have an episode, lots of times it's easy to say, well, this relationship, if it was the right one would make me happy and it would be like the thing that fixes this. 
but it's not, so I need to be done. And that's sometimes what I thought, but then as we worked through it together and as he continued to support me in that, I realized it was better with him than without him. Um, and by work on his part, I mean, that would mean um, every time I brought something up, like a concern or um, a fear or just feelings that I was feeling sad on any given day, he responded so well and was able to um, meet my needs um, in the way that I needed it. And did he ask that, you or did he just figure that out? Oh, we had to definitely, I, I, I had to tell him. Mm -hmm. um, he, he did have to ask me what I needed and in and, and what times, what would, what would be a good fit for that need. But the willingness to do that was huge to me. Um, the and I'll give an example. Just this one is maybe a little weird, but um, <laughs> I had roommates at the time, and I was on my period, and I was in pain, and my periods suck, and it's like a hellish experience, and I hate it, and I had to all of a sudden be like, "Hey, it's that time of the month again, and you always get to see me in this really." Um, wicked mood where I'm just like <laughs> not not pleasant to be around so I was laying on my bed and my roommate came in and we were both in there like he he was trying to find a way to soothe me but I mean maybe I just wasn't clear enough or hadn't said anything but my roommate came in and said do you want me to like scratch your back or play with your hair I mean it's kind of one of those like intuitive girl things that you just kind of know hey this would feel good right mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and he just like quickly turned and was like, see, that, that would be good for me to know. Like, do you want me to do that? And so, um, just oh, I love this. To, to learn and to, um, so many times I've seen just his um, desire to, if he can meet that need to, for me to communicate that and for, and he's, he's willing if I'm just going to. So I what just... I'm hearing you say is that the magic that he brought was willingness and desire. It wasn't that he just intuitively organically knew how to soothe you. I exactly. love that because I think yeah. that's the thing in the movies. Sometimes it's this person just intuitively knows and they just organically get me. And we feel mm. like it's less special <laughs> if they don't, when it's just really the willingness to show up and the desire to help. Yeah, and that's still how it is. It's still that I have to say, hey, this this is kind of what I need right now. Or you know what, right now I just need time. Um, but his, um, I guess, display of how he's willing to do that, whatever it is that I do need. And also, I think during dating, one thing that was super helpful was that he, um, I didn't ever feel any pressure from him he was always able to say, okay, that's fine. Like we can, we, we don't have to name that right now or we don't have to, I can hold space for that, right? And being mm -hmm. able to, um, you know, not, I think that other, maybe if, if you were to have this like really rigid timeline of, you know, why aren't you ready yet? Or um, I'm, I'm anxious about this and you need mm -hmm. to make a decision or whatever it was, that would have probably sent me the other direction mm -hmm. because of my anxiety. But in reality, it was actually, to my surprise, 
and to everyone else that knows me, surprise, um, I was, I was um, ready much sooner than I thought I would be because of his patience and the fact that he wasn't pushing me into any rush or anything. It was just, let's hold space for each other and be where we're at and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I've just been hanging on every word this, and just like literally jotting down notes and thinking about <laughs> how beautifully you've said all this. I appreciate you sharing that. That's just so, I think it's going to be so helpful for so many people. So let's take a break here and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about what anything else that you want people to know about relationships in the modern age. Welcome back. We are going to talk about what Emily wants people to know about relationships in the modern age, what she thinks about it. Well, I think it's, um, we're in a world or dating culture that's very different than it used to be. Um, I think technology uh, says a lot about that. I think we are dating a lot differently than, for example, than our parents did. Um, or any generation before that. <laughs> I think that makes it really hard too. I do want to validate that a lot is that lots of times we get a lot of pressure coming from people that have, you know, married or um, our parents or whoever it is that's saying, um, well, why don't you just do it this way? Or why haven't you found this person yet? Um, I can't believe you're not married yet. Like things like that, I think as a single person, there is a lot of pain there. And I think that everyone is trying their best and there is a million and one reasons why that um, can be hard. I mean, I hear time and time again from friends and I would say this too when I was single is it's a miracle that anyone ever gets married. (laughs) You know, to an extent, yes, there's a lot that has to fit together, and it is such a hard dating world out there, um, where we're on, where we're on apps, and we have the world, not just, you know, in our proximity, depending on what you set your radius at, you have the world at your fingertips, so it's very easy for that mindset of, oh, there's always something, there could always be something better around the corner, it's like, you have maybe a 10 word conversation with someone and then decide, eh, mm-hmm. I can go on to the next one, swipe, you know? And so I think that that sometimes is really hindering to dating. And that's something that I found frustration in where I've even had a lot of friends express that, that it's really hard to meet anyone organically. Um, and I don't think that or, organic dating is dead, but I will, again, very much validate that that is, that's something very hard that a lot of people outside of the singles ward don't recognize because it's, it is the world that, that single people are living in and it is very difficult. Um, and I guess my, my advice would, and again, my advice is like what, married three months? So I think that there's always, there's meaning and purpose in anyone's life, no matter what kind of connection you're seeking, right? And that I think is the hard thing is if, if it's not falling for you romantically, if it's not, you know, landing just the way that you want it to, and that's something you're really, really desiring and pursuing, 
Um, I feel like I had a lot of years where I just sat and thought, well, if this isn't happening, like, what am I doing? Just in a, you know, a religious culture that really pushes that and feeling like, you know, inherently I may have less value as a single person, you know, none of that is true. I think that's a culture um, message that comes to us. Um, but I think that there is value in connection mm-hmm. and that can be with roommates, with friends, with family. And as you seek opportunities to connect with um, other people, no matter who those people are, you learn how to connect in general. And I think that's really important. And as far as romantic relationships go, um, specifically for someone who deals with ROCD, um, I think it's really important to, again, like you were talking about the work and what that means, do the work. and. You know, if you need to, go see a therapist. Um, I think sometimes, like you said, our friends and family are really good at um, giving excuses for us and saying, oh, well, it's just because you haven't found the right person. And yeah, some of that might be true, but I always had to say, no, mom, it's because I was very anxious and not willing to commit that I will own that, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that just really acknowledging where you're at and allowing yourself opportunities to connect, especially in settings maybe where, um, that do push you a little bit, where you know you connect with someone new you haven't met, or you, um, you know, commit to say, okay, I'm really gonna give this a real shot for a few months, this person that I'm dating. Um, someone one time, one of my grad school professors actually said when she got engaged, I think she was about 32, 34, something like that when she got engaged and totally freaked out after and thought, oh no, what did I do? I need to give the ring back. I can't do this. And her dad said, Kristen, do you, do you, can you be with this person for the next five years? Is this a person you want to be with for the next five years? And she said, yeah, I could do that. He said, okay, do it. Do the next five years. And as you go throughout that five years, that will grow. And after five years, you'll want to be with him another five, right? And so for me, when hearing that, I thought, you know, is this the person I want to be with for the next few months? And I thought, yeah, okay, I can do that. Instead of looking at marriage right from the beginning. Well said. I think that can really trigger a lot of anxiety for a lot of people is um, that mindset of, okay, I'm looking at the long haul before Mm -hmm. you even know the person before you even start the short haul (laughs) exactly and i think another thing too is really to try and challenge that mindset of you know well is there something better around the corner Mm -hmm. you're going to be missing out on what could be the best right now if you're always waiting for a better around the corner right because i feel like what people need to know yeah, yeah is that you what makes it better is the experiences that you go through together yeah yeah and I am, and again, you know, this sounds weird to say, but if it wasn't my husband now, um, who I married, you know, it, it could have worked out with a number of people, but Mm -hmm. it worked out with him. And I'm, I'm so happy that it did. And that I put in the work to really actually give that a shot because he is such a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. And I would have never known that had I ended it when I wanted to. Plus, I've seen you guys together. You're going to make some cute children when the time is right. I feel like it's important to to note that. No, I'm just kidding. 
sorry, that kind of brings up another random ROCD thing that I wanted you to just speak to. Mm-hmm. Some clients have that um, compulsion or this this pre-existing thought, like they thought they were going to marry a brunette or a blonde or a tall or a short or a, this background or that background or this profession or that profession. Yeah. Um, that's a hard one too. And I know I actually, at the very beginning, um, and this is more at the beginning, um, I would do a lot of, you know, that reassurance seeking, you know, to friends or family, like, do you like him or is he attractive or, you know, even feeling a little self-conscious if someone didn't immediately like, wow, oh man, he's so good looking. You know, if that wasn't the immediate response, I would get a little bit um, worried that, you know, someone didn't approve. And, but then I, you know, had to really calm down and say, okay, well, I find him attractive and he is attractive. And, um, there was at one point when I thought, oh, but do we look good together? Like do, do, do me and him look good together as a couple? And that was a real word for me. <laughs> and, and then it, it's interesting because as our relationship grew, I, continued to think you know I love looking at pictures of us and we look good together and I have you know a lot of people actually um say that to me as well which is actually probably bad because it's more of that like oh wow I got approval that we look good together. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's not necessarily yeah. that if you're seeking it I think it's different versus when people just offer it mm-hmm so anyway, you guys are a cute couple. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something I think that, again, like you said, it is something that a lot of people worry about. Or mm-hmm. um, It is really important to be attracted to your partner. That's, yes. That's really important. That being said, if it's something that you're hyper-focused on with little, like, um, if maybe 70% of the time you're attracted to your partner, but then there's certain times where you think, oh, I don't actually think right now I'm feeling, like, super attracted to them how they're dressed or whatever. Okay. That's some of the time maybe, but it doesn't mean that you're in. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful to hear from you. And I really feel like you're going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Anything you want to say before we go? Um, I think we've said it all. I'll stop talking now. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll see you later. Em. Okay. Thanks Lonnie. Thank you so much for listening to the Dating Counselor podcast, where I help you build a successful relationship. It would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast so that we can change the way dating is happening and everybody can have a successful experience. If you do, please send me a screenshot. I would love to see your review and share it on my social media. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Peace and blessings. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. 
While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of, is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. That's Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at MillCreek-Counseling.com.